When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, The Grip of Leadership from 1961. So... A funny thing happened on the way to this week's episode. Last night I attended the great Steve Young's show, The Weird and Wonderful World of Industrial Musicals, here in Los Angeles at the Dynasty Typewriter. Steve was the center of the great documentary Bathtubs Over Broadway, which I've talked about many times on the show before. In case you need a refresher, let's rewind back to episode 32 of Bizarre Albums about the soundtrack to Bathtubs Over Broadway. We're going to uh, start things off tonight with uh, some of my records from my very own record collection. Dave's Record Collection! That's a clip from Late Night with David Letterman, doing a recurring segment known as Dave's Record Collection. In it, the show would play clips of odd records, and then Letterman would make a joke about the song. Writer Steve Young had started working for Letterman on the NBC show in 1990. One of his jobs as a writer was to go to record stores to find unintentionally funny albums to make jokes about for Dave's record collection. During these record shopping trips, Young started finding mysterious corporate records that were labeled not for commercial use, not for broadcast, or souvenir use only. The following is from industrialmusicals.com. Once upon a time, when American industry ruled the earth, business and Broadway had a baby. This mutant offspring glimpsed only at conventions and sales meetings was the industrial musical. Think Broadway show, except the audience is managers and salesmen, and the songs are about how great it is to be working at the company. Here's Steve Young on The Late Show with David Letterman in 2013. Now, they don't do these anymore, do they? It was mostly from the 50s to the 80s. Uh, the book tells the story through the souvenir record albums. There, there are still conventions today, but they don't okay, hire yes. people to this do when original we music. we had money to burn right, and uh, often did. And that's how Bathtubs Over Broadway came to be. I had no hobbies. I barely had any friends outside the show. Hello. Well, hi, Steve. Hello, Sheldon. Welcome to Casa Mia. But I knew I've got to have as much of this as I can find. The documentary follows Young on a journey to find out all that he's able to about this secret world of industrial musicals. So anyway, at the live show, Steve was selling some of his record collection. And when I was flipping through the records, immediately, one was familiar. Very familiar, actually. If you listen to Bizarre Albums regularly, 
You heard me end last week's episode like this. One of Dr. Pepper's biggest competitors, Coca-Cola, did release an industrial musical album in 1961 called The Grip of Leadership. But that is for another time. That's right. I mentioned it, and then it basically fell into my lap. I felt I needed to buy it and cover it for this week's episode. Should I have maybe waited and discussed the record with Steve, the industrial musical expert? Yeah, probably. But this is a weekly show, and this all kind of seemed like fate. So I'll just do my best here. So let's get into it. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. harmony. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. That's the song I Coca-Cola was invented in the late 19th century by American pharmacist John Pemberton in Atlanta, Georgia. The name Coca-Cola refers to two of its original ingredients, coca leaves and cola nuts. Coca-Cola was marketed as a patent medicine. Pemberton claimed it was a cure for several diseases, indigestion, nerve disorders, headaches, impotence, and even morphine addiction, something that Pemberton knew all about. He was a Confederate colonel wounded in the Civil War and was addicted to morphine. Because of his addiction, he started experimenting with different painkillers and toxins. Pemberton had first made a beverage blending alcohol and cocaine, which, after several tweaks, eventually became Coca-Cola. Pemberton created this version of the drink as a response to the passing of Prohibition legislation in Atlanta in 1886. Coca-Cola was then marketed as the temperance drink, which appealed to many people as the temperance movement started to spread at the time. The temperance movement was a social movement that promoted the temperance or just altogether complete abstinence from alcohol. I'm not going to go too deep into Coke's history. There are plenty of other great sources for that. I want to get more into the marketing of Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola's advertising has had quite the effect on American culture. They're often credited with creating the modern image of Santa Claus. They started using the old man in a red and white suit images in the 1930s. But according to Snopes.com, that version of Santa existed long before Coca-Cola began featuring him in advertisements. Holiday time's a good time for the good taste of Coke. Holiday time's a good time for the good taste of Coke. Enjoy ice cold Coca-Cola, sign of good taste. With the rise of television in the 1950s, Coca-Cola launched its Sign of Good Taste campaign. According to HistoryOasis.com, in the 1950s, a time marked by post-war economic growth and the burgeoning rise of suburbia, Advertisements became powerful tools to shape and mirror our societal norms. Central to this narrative was the portrayal of an idealized American lifestyle. White picket fences, gleaming automobiles, and families gathered around television sets or picnic tables. Coca-Cola's Sign of Good Taste campaign epitomized this, with ads showcasing wholesome families enjoying their product during picnics, beach outings, or baseball games. These depictions echoed an aspirational middle-class lifestyle, emphasizing values like family unity, leisurely fun, and the freedom to enjoy the simple pleasures of life. Any time's a good time for the good 
good taste of Coke. Anytime's a good time for the good taste of Coke. Coca-Cola leaves you so refreshed, puts you at your sparkling best. Enjoy Coca-Cola often. Sign of good taste. In the 1960s, Coca-Cola started using celebrities in their commercials. Like this ad featuring actress Connie Clausen. You know, this was me five years ago. And it's still me. But I confess, I'm a waistline watcher from way back. Well, that's enough for today. Now for a lively lift. Ice-cold Coca-Cola. There's no waistline worry with Coke, you know. Actually, this individual size bottle has no more calories than half a grapefruit. Mmm, another thing, the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Coke's a natural, wholesome blending of pure food flavors. I guess that's why everyone likes the refreshing new feeling you get, only from not-too-sweet Coca-Cola. And no wonder, lively, lifty Coca-Cola provides a welcome bit of quick energy between meals. Makes for a pleasant pause in a busy day. Oh, and remember, Coke is low in calories, too. Say, now, don't you get any thinner. That interesting commercial is from 1961, which was also Coca-Cola's 75th anniversary. And this is where industrial musicals come into play. The Coca-Cola National Bottler Convention was held in Miami, Florida in 1961. The convention attracted over 4,000 attendees, mostly bottlers from the United States. And there was a musical. And there was a souvenir record. In 1961, The Grip of Leadership was released by the Coca-Cola Company. Oh! Ow! That's a good cup! <laughs> the album begins, like most musicals, with the overture. I'll play a little bit of that as I read the back cover. This record is dedicated to a unique product, Coca-Cola, upon its 75th anniversary and to those persons who have contributed to its continuing growth in sales and acceptance. Although the listener will hear many different types of musical numbers, their cumulative effect emphasizes the grip of leadership that belongs only to bottlers of Coca-Cola. This leadership is rooted in many things. It springs, first and foremost, from the strength of the product itself. For Coca-Cola is not only the best-loved sparkling drink in all the world, but a symbol of a nation's way of life. This leadership also stems from the practice of the philosophy of excellence that has been a determining force behind the success of the business, a philosophy that is reflected in the excellence of the product and the excellence of the people and business practices associated with Coca-Cola. Generations of Coca-Cola bottlers have won a position of leadership by the positive manner in which they have met the challenges and opportunities of the marketplace down through the years. Acting with characteristic vision, vigor, and determination, the bottlers of Coca-Cola are intent upon continuing to tighten the grip of leadership now and in the years ahead. Bottler Sales Promotion, The Coca-Cola Company, December 1961. We then move into a nearly eight-minute track called American Heritage. It's mostly spoken word about the history of Coca-Cola, and it occasionally breaks into song. And in a nation of people who will battle you no holds barred to preserve the pleasant things in life, this product caught on. At first, soda fountains were the only places where a person could enjoy Coca-Cola. In those days... When Casey would waltz with the strawberry blonde... And the band 
inwardly cursed as he worked up a thirst. Up next is Here and Now. Coca-Cola, here and now, wherever you may be. From the Empire State to the Golden Gate, from sea to shining sea. Coca-Cola's on the move to meet the changing trends. And as we expand in this growing land, Coca-Cola. Up next is a song called Hot Seat. It features singers playing a bottler, a sales executive, and a plant manager, all singing about their problems. It's the only song on this album that you can actually find on Spotify. It's on a compilation called The Golden Age of Industrial Musicals, The 60s, Volume 1. Here we sit and daily tangle with problems really rough to wrangle with, yet we can't see any other way. With our management decisions Making day-to-day revisions It's here you'll find us each and every day We call it a hot seat It's always a hot seat Where all of the big red hot decisions Got to be made This production was put together by the Jam Handy Organization a Detroit-based production company that specialized in commercially sponsored movies, trade shows, multimedia training ads, and of course, industrial musicals. One of Jam Handy's hardest-working singers, Wayne Sherwood, is featured, uncredited, on the side one closer, Packaging and Pricing. It's like this. Packaging and pricing interrelated, a simple fact simply stated. And yet some folks are losing out because they don't know what it's all about. Now I look at packaging and pricing as a great big pair of pliers, especially designed with us in mind, and that means you and me. Packaging and pricing, a pair of pliers, simple as ABC. Pliers to get a grip on profit, profit from the business, yes siree. Jam Handy's musical director at the time was Maurice Levine. Levine was a conductor and arranger, probably best known for his work with Eartha Kitt. But Levine was also the creator of Lyrics and Lyricists, a show that examined the songs of musical theater through the lyricists who wrote them. Maurice Levine not only directed the chorus and orchestra for the grip of leadership, but it was also Maurice Levine who approached lyricist and composer Wilson Stone about trying an industrial musical. Wilson Stone started his music career back in 1949 when he was an audition accompanist for singers and actors. He later worked for Paramount Studios where he would write songs for films like Shane, Sabrina, and War and Peace. And Stone took pride in the industrial musicals that he wrote. In Steve Young and Sport Murphy's book Everything's Coming Up Profits, The Golden Age of Industrial Musicals, he told Young, quote, I never hacked it. I didn't feel that just because it was less than Broadway that I could get away with doing it on the cheap. I did it as well as I could, and I enjoyed it. End quote. With the all-star dealer campaign, with promotion, with the new spectacular, and with the cooler campaign, yes, we're gonna keep things jumping at the point of sale. Keep things jumping at the point of sale. 
build up the interest, break down the boredom, keep jumping at the point of sale. There'll be no stopping at the point of sale. If you keep things hopping at the point of sale, you got the know-how, get set to go now. Keep Moving past a track called Cooperation, up next is a song called The Same in Any Language. Funny enough, this show ended up traveling around the world, and most of these songs were translated into several other languages. Yes, it's the same in any language. It's the same in every land. When you say Coca-Cola, it's just as though you should there. Up next is Look to the Leader. That title would be reused as the title for a jam handy show for Coke's Minute Maid division, featuring slightly rewritten songs. What makes a leader? A leader? A leader. What must a leader be? While others wait to be led, the leader's there a step ahead in his community. What makes a leader? Outstanding, commanding, demanding. it in the books you've read, but the leader is the one who looks ahead. Look to the leader and see. The album's only other credit is orchestrations by Arthur Harris. Harris was a pianist, composer, and arranger best known for his arranging work for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, as well as the Philadelphia Orchestra. But his other credits include work with Eartha Kitt, Conway Twitty, the Everly Brothers, Percy Sledge, and Ray Charles. The album closes, of course, with finale. This would hardly be the last industrial musical written by Wilson Stone. He would go on to write musicals for Chevrolet, Ford Tractor, and Xerox. But those... But all of those are for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Thaxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. Bizarre Albums.